There's going to be no intro on this podcast. We're right into it today. Mike Pedigo is up here. We've got an hour. We thought we'd knock out a quick podcast, talk about everything that's happening. I don't feel like he needs an introduction anymore, but this is Mike Pedigo at Flyline Productions on the gram. What's up, man? You see it. I'm stoked to be up here chatting about foiling again. Um, on my way up, I was catching up on some podcasts I was behind on, getting super frothy. Um, yeah, I'm ready, to, ready for Ascend. It's been kind of a funky winter so far for me. Yeah, it's been a funky winter here for everybody, dude. It's like, this is the worst winter since we started foiling, by far. It's been really cold. I, I, hate, I hate to bitch about that because I know some of our listeners yeah. have, have like <laughs> legitimately cold water and cold conditions. But I mean, man, this morning it was in the, it was in the low 30s. Yeah. And, and like kind of breezy it's it's hard to get motivated to and the other thing is we don't in florida it's like you don't really um set up your gear to that's that's kind of the rarity so you don't i don't have, have like suits. a five yeah. mil suit and and gloves and i hardly ever wear booties like right now i'm in between a pair of booties i don't even have booties at this exact moment you do right now i do, I do right now because uh eric's yeah, give me a hook. Well, Steve's giving us a hook. Yeah, shout out to Steve Sugarud who just flowed us some so lights. So thank you, Steve. Much I- needed. My last session, all of my toes went white. Normally, <laughs> yeah. I get like one or two white toes. All of them were white, and I felt like I was walking on horse hooves when I was coming back to my truck. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been a little. It's been a um, a bit of a funky winter, but ready to get on some get on, get in some proper booties and get some more sending. I've been uh, I've been riding the sup all week long just to stay out of the water there you go we're at 58 here right now this morning it said 57 on the meter but it's cold man that's really cold <laughs> that's uh guys up in jersey are like i can't even listen to this anymore i know well i lived in costa rica <laughs> for 11 years and i swore I've, i hate the cold i just my body doesn't funk i we were just down there for seven that turned into nine days which i'll tell that story here in a minute but um my body just feels so much better when it's hot it's amazing. I feel like 20 years younger um, when it's hot. And I swore when we lived down there that I'd never own another wetsuit. And that's what you get when you make plans, right? I like my cold water in very short doses, like four to five minutes of cold <laughs> plunge. That would be my preferred cold water exposure. Uh, where do you want to start today, man? There's so much we can go over. Man, I, don't, I mean, you've, you've had a lot of flight time lately. Maybe we should start with your, with your latest adventures. So... I'll start with a very scary moment. We, um, we were in Costa Rica for a week, and last Monday, leaving, um, flying Delta, I don't remember the flight number, 1754 or something like that, um, leaving, you know, everything seems normal, on taxi out, and right as we accelerate up for takeoff, there's like a loud bang in the plane. And everyone was like looking around. We were sitting right over the wing, right over the engines. Everyone's like looking around and we rolled out and took off. And as we're taking off, all of a sudden there's all this like beeping in the cabin, like the flight attendant beeping type stuff just kept going on. Beep, beep, 
beep, beep, beep, beep. Um, I thought for sure we were going to turn around. Like, there was already a couple weird things. But we, we climbed out, probably got to like 3,000 feet. And at that point, the flight attendants are looking out the windows from the back of the plane towards the engine. And I've watched enough air disaster shows that that's not a good thing <laughs> when they're doing that. So I was like, all right, now we're going back. And, you know, the cockpit kept calling back to the back of the plane and the whole thing. And I guess they thought everything was fine. Uh, engines were fine. And so we climbed out and we got up about 25 minutes into the flight. I'm just at this point, like just trying to go to sleep. But the plane got really hot. I was sitting on an exit uh, row on the window and the plane got really, really hot. And like you couldn't touch the window. It like was like, and I've never felt that before. Like it should be kind of cold, generally speaking. And we're up at like 30,000 feet at this point. And all of a sudden the plane starts going down fairly quickly. And I look over and and my daughter's like, we're going down. And it was, it was scary. Like she started, she started crying at one point. Um, The girl sitting next to her, her nose started bleeding. And for about three to four minutes we did, and my ear was popping like crazy. So I knew something was off because generally your ears stop popping when you're up that high. But it was like, a, I've got a Eustachian tube issue in my left ear. And it was like, pop, yeah. pop. Too much pressure change too quickly. Yeah. And um, about three or four minutes into this descent, and it started off, you know, pretty steep, but then kept getting steeper. So at this point, you're, you're pretty freaked out. And then the pilot came on and said that we had a depressurization at altitude. We had to get down to 10,000 feet, going back to the airport. And it was a 40-minute flight back in a plane that already had sounded weird. It was like a sketchy moment and it was like a, or the family thing. It was like a lot of reflection, you know, like we made it down and, and another shout out, I did it on the last podcast, but another shout out to Ricky and Federico from Cala Luna hotel in Langosta because they put us up for a couple days and Ricky showed me around. And I mean, guys are the, some of the best surfers in Costa Rica, literally. And now they're frothing on foil. And so we got to, you know, hit so many spots and whatnot, but, um, it was not a fun experience. I already don't like flying that much. So it's made me very thankful for foiling because I don't have to travel anymore. I might not. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a little bit. <laughs> you say that now. You'll, you'll, uh, it just takes some time to reset from that. Well, no, you can't I, tell me you're not going back to at least hood or something. I mean, there's some standout places. No, I already looked at it. You can drive to hood. Oh God. We're going to rent a van and I'm driving to hood. Have fun driving to hood. <laughs> Oh, that's a long drive. Oh man, talk to Finch about that. Yeah, I guess you, if you stop it every everywhere that's foily along the way, it's probably not that bad. But right, I have to say though that like something about foiling as much as we do and understanding the feelings of lift and control, it like helps you understand flight dynamics in planes. And there was some comfort there because you could tell that. The tuning on the plane. I don't know how else to explain it. The plane was tuned well. You, you would. You would go here. You would yeah. go here. Of I was course. thinking about the tuning. And of I was course like, it's tuned good. It's a Boeing plane. It's been around for the last 40 years. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, something you, you, uh, you just brushed on that I think would be fun to dive into. Yeah. Really um, good experienced surfers diving into foiling. It's mind-blowing. It's so... Um, it's been really fun to watch. I get to foil with Gabe Kling all the time yep. in St. Augustine. Eric. Um, Eric Geiselman. Um, that guy... Uh, um, I can't remember. Euros? How do you say his oh, name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been fun to watch. Um, it's, it's, it's like we're, we're seeing that... 
you know, the, that next level surfer and, and like kind of embracing it more, like actually making a post about foiling. So we're, we're seeing what they're doing. And it's been so cool watching how quickly these guys progress and then knowing what they look like surfing at those high levels and then seeing those similar body mechanics move into foiling and how yeah. they transition. Like Gabe Kling, for example, he can transition back and forth like so flawlessly. That's something that I've always struggled with is I'm kind of so foil brain. I don't really bounce back as much as I probably should but these guys can bounce back and forth w with ease and it's like amping up both of their games like both disciplines are benefiting from foiling which is really cool to see yeah well and it does help I mean a couple years ago I did a summer where I surf skated and foiled every day that was my goal to see what try to get into that Zane Kai Kiahi mindset of being very you know, nimble in, mm -hmm. in transition in equipment. And it was powerful. But the problem is here, the waves are so bad. Yeah. There is, uh, the motivation really to difficult. jump back to surfing for me here is pretty much nilch. I just, right. One of them is obviously going to be more fun than the other. So I just tend towards foiling. So on your point there, though, about what's going to happen, we've gotten a window into what's going to happen through getting to watch Austin and Noah and the Wake guys. Yeah. transition into foiling mm -hmm. and then you know those guys i would say are 10 out of 10 wake probably like seven out of 10 surfers and i don't feel like i'm you know saying anything wrong there i mean like they're 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 wake guys coming into foil now they're top of the game foilers but we haven't really seen the 10 out of 10 surfers come in until now right i mean adam is probably has been the best surfer in the sport who's really taken it on um, but now I think there's some guys, I think Eric Geiselman's probably better surfer, um, than like a, than an Adam. And, and it's like, so getting to surf foil with, uh, with Ricky a lot, who I got to surf with him. I did a boat trip in Costa Rica, a friend hooked up a, a boat trip and it was, their family was on it, our family, a couple other family and Sonny Garcia. And but getting to watch the, it was really cool to get to know Sonny, like what a legend that guy was. He was so rad with Damo when Damo was like three years old and Damo just wore his yeah, Iron cool. Man suit. I didn't suit know you guys had a background. The whole time. <laughs> he, he wore <laughs> a, like a, a puppy yeah, Iron Man suit. Toddler, toddler thing. For a whole week. That's great. <laughs> it was like 100 degrees outside too. But um, yeah, and they surf as good as anyone. I mean, I think Federico was uh, Costa Rica national champ a couple times at the QS. Ricky was just as good, but I don't think he went the same contest route. And Ricky's been foiling now, I think for a year. And he's as good as pretty much anybody already. Yeah. You know, and, and what's really cool is that you see like, so he's pumping around and there's so many inefficiencies like in the pump, right? Cause like, you haven't had the time to develop mm -hmm. that skill yet but then connects into a wave and then it's like seamless surfing. Yeah. You know, so you can see like the difference in the foil skills and the surf skills like on display yeah. in this moment where the surfing has evolved so fast, but the foiling isn't evolving quite like the, the pump, like the ancillary foil stuff. Yeah. You know, cause that's new. Yeah. Well, you don't pump like that in surfing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you but the the turning mechanics are are so similar and they cross over so well that that's that's like immediately yep. there once they get that flight the flight time. Yep. Yeah. And it was interesting also because he's gravitated he's riding a 125 in bigger surf in Costa Rica and so he's naturally 
evolved into a pretty significantly offset stance to drive that foil. Already? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. You know how I feel about that. I'm, I do. Yeah. And I, I think that, that's, that's what happened to me. It just, it just happened and I tried to resist it for so long and then, yep. you know, it just, why am I resisting this? This is, it's not surfing, it's foiling. It's, it's yep. obviously very similar, but yeah, I mean, that's, if that's how you, you naturally evolve, then I say, don't fight it. I mean, I think there's some limitations to some extent, but yeah, that's interesting that he's already landed on that a yep. year in. Yeah. I've gone more offset too. Yeah. Um, especially with the Enigma now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the room yep. and the the time. Yeah, let's dive into those. Yeah, actually, this is a good place to do it too because um, one of the things we want to do on the podcast today is we've been getting so many questions about that board. I feel like it's a good place to just kind of talk it through, put it down, and then we can, you know, kind of send folks here when they're when they have the questions. So, yeah. yeah. What's your take now having it for a couple months? Man, I, um, first of all, it's been, it's been like a super refreshing kind of change up. And I didn't, I didn't know I would love it as much as I do until I got it and, start, and started seeing all the benefits. Um, I get like to, to sum it up, it doesn't, it doesn't really hold me back much in like what I can do with it as far as aggressive surfing. I mean, I might not... You know, I don't like a board like that's not going to do quite as good on super um, vertical lip lip maneuvers and foam bashes and stuff. But everything else, like it kind of uh, it's it sort of smooths out some of mm -hmm. the. You know, I can still get super aggressive, but it, but it tends to smooth out things and make me focus on mechanics a little bit more, which I love. Um, it's it's so easy to paddle that I, I'll I find myself gravitating towards that board on certain days that like my local spot, which can have kind of a long paddle out and be pretty currenty. So it's been a super refreshing uh, board to have in the quiver for that. And those are like the two big things for me. It's like, oh man, I can be a little lazier, have more fun and not really sacrifice my aggression much in yeah. the wave. So, and, and then I, I look at footage and I'm like, wow, that turn looks kind of better than it does when I'm on my, when I'm on my micro boards. And I don't, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is about the mid-length um, type movement that makes that happen. I feel like it just, I hate to use the term slow down, but it is bigger. It does slow some movements down a little bit, but I think there's a benefit to it in how the movement feels and how you can sort of like analyze that movement and focus on the mechanics of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, well, we were just talking about this in reference to in Costa Rica, I was towing on a, an incredibly small board. Like, how, what's the size on that it's one? A, you made? It's a 310 by 16 wide. I have no idea the liters. It's probably like 15 or something. I mean, it's it's, it's a tiny. it's a tiny board. Yeah, it's tiny. And I mean, there's it, that board feels incredible. I think that you can always tell trend through the extremes. Like, if you want to know like what something's going to do, I think that you take it to the extreme, and then generally speaking, probably nine out of ten times that's the trend that you're also going to see in the micro. So look at the macro for the micro. And riding a board that was that small with so much, with, with, with like zero swing weight. Like, I mean, the board probably weighs three pounds, maybe four pounds. Yeah, it's, like it's nothing. And it's all right under your feet. Um, there's some rad things about it in that, I mean, you don't see it. But 
and you feel really connected to the foil in some ways. You, all you're feeling is foil. I mean, that's the right. You're taking out board influence as much, and you're feeling foil, which which has its pros and cons. You know, I mean, it depends on what you're optimizing for. I think, but yeah, yeah. But so what I noticed though is that I was spending a lot more of my kind of processing power, my mental focus on micro stability. And if you take it to the extreme the other way and say an Enigma or a downwind board, like that's all gone. It, it smooths everything out. It gives your brain time to focus on like the macro, which is the turn and not the micro, which is the little pitch adjustments. I got a perfect comparison I just thought about and any camera nerds will appreciate it. It's like image stabilization. So yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you take a long lens without image stabilization and you're getting all the little micro movements yep. and then you put image stabilization on it. And it's like, ah, like there's a little bit of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you can focus on, on the surfing a little bit more. And that's what I like. I mean, I think that that was like the ethos with the whole, what I wanted to accomplish, like with the progression stuff was that I just want to focus on surfing. I don't want to focus on like all the stuff that goes along with it. I just want to draw lines. Um, and I feel like a little bit more board helps me do that uh, to a better level. Now there are moments. There were moments down there, like in certain pockets, that I was happy I was on a small. That's where it, board. Yeah. So that's where it. Yeah. The the experience of riding. Um, and I've spent a lot of time. Oh, I made that board we're talking about first. And you've towed it a bunch. And I and I've spent like hours on that board, literally. So I'm super familiar with the one he's talking about. And the experience of riding it is is next level because you're you're the visual aspect of it and you, you feel like you can fit it into the tiniest little spaces and, de- and depend on it not touching anywhere which is which is really nice and just visually it's like super pleasing to ride a small board like that and you're feeling every little nuance of the foil which like we're saying has its pros and cons um i do think there's a you know like <clears throat> like our buddy josh is is used to that um, feel of the nuance so so that becomes second nature and then but when you're coming from something like the enigma where that image stabilization is in play right and you get tuned to that there's there's an adjustment going back down to like these you know three pound micro boards yep so but where i landed at the end was that i don't need to go smaller than the mj i get almost all of the same benefits of size especially with kind of where the foil sits in relative to the nose on that board it's about the same nose as the 310 you have a little bit more tail but the tail's kind of never in the way it's a lot easier to get up. It was a lot easier on joints, you know, over hundreds of reps towing. And um, the rails are much more forgiving. That was the big thing that I, that I took away is that I rely on the board a lot, especially kind of like in, in recovery turns, like rebound turns. So cut back into the lip and the rebound. Mm-hmm. If you touched that little board, because the rails were so thin, that board can only be an inch thick or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the rails are pretty knifey. Mm-hmm. If they touch at all, they catch and they pull you into the water. Yeah. Well, you also don't have any, there's so little surface area to like keep you on top of the water to recontrol it too. But, but even when you're on rail, like, like, so the MJ, when you're on rail, you kind of touch the, the rail into the water and you can kind of surf through that turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you don't get to do that on the really small board. Right. Yeah. Pros and cons. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm loving the Enigma here, especially with how cold it is right now. It's nice to be out of the water more. Yeah, that's another plus for sure. Yeah, and then then in winging, we've been 
we've been both winging on specifically the five six quite yep. a bit. That's my it's my go to wingboard now. Even in lighter conditions, I've kind of learned how to make it work, even when it's light. And it's the payoff is so is so nice. And when it's decently windy, it's it's perfect. Like it's you know just for my my weight. So and for the record, I'm I'm like one seventy one seventy five right now. And the board we're talking about is fifty five liters. So it's um it's just that perfect balance between sinker and floater. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like right in between. With just a little bit of power from the wing, you're on top of the water. And on that board, like the second you're on top of the water, because it moves so easily through the water, um, it's it's just easy to get on foil. And I think like mid links in general. I mean, we're talking about our design because that's the one we're most familiar with. But I think just like the, I was joking about the mid length revolution on Instagram. But there's a lot of mid length what what we're calling foil board mid links that are coming out that are going to have some similar advantages and i think we're going to keep seeing more and more of them because yeah it's just it works it makes a lot of sense you know i mean boards started off bigger but we didn't understand swing weight we didn't understand box placement exactly we didn't understand touch points and now that the downwinding has taught us that you make the mid length and it's no longer a five six like it would have been three years ago now it's a five six that's surfing like a four five. Yeah, I I um I was thinking about that. If we had, you know, if four or five years ago when we were all starting to surf foil, if if you got on a five six, it would feel giant and it would feel super heavy like and swing board. weight, yeah. you know. And and but the problem was is we hadn't really we were still kind of designing and placing boxes similar to with with too much of a surf influence. You know, so like we were, we would, back then you would have, you would have had a five, six and you'd be standing close to the tail and you'd have a mile of board in front of you and it would feel heavy and you'd get on a, on a four foot board and go, oh, this feels mountains better. Well, it's mountains, it felt mountains better because the swing weight is more balanced. The board, the board's more balanced. But now, you know, whereas then we weren't, we, we didn't have, we didn't quite have that grasp yet of, of placement and, and swing weight balance. And now, like you're saying, like with the downwinds teaching us, we're, we're positioning our boxes on these mid links where you're really not there's not much negative on swing weight that you're feeling so you're getting the benefits of the volume without many negatives on the swing weight it's it's minute i would say i mean it's there you can i can feel the difference but it's not really a, i mean maybe it's like maybe i'm one or two pumps less in a run you know on like if i really knocked out drag out like yeah but the payoffs are have been so well worth it i feel like i'm kind of surfing a different session now though to where I'm not afraid to make the paddle back out from the beach where yeah. on a on an MJ at 24 liters I'm never going to paddle back out like I'm always going to end my run with right, that right. one more yeah. pump out yeah. back at the lineup right um, and you know yesterday I think I I was riding a pretty small foil yesterday and it was really small and a couple times I just caught a wave and just our bar is really good right now our bars are like unbelievable to where you get a chip and then the trough doesn't get as deep and it's kind of long so it kind of stays peaked up through the whole trough all the way to the beach so you can bang out you know four or five kind of like s carves in there going to the beach and a couple times i was like looking back out and there was nothing there and i just ended the run like i never pumped it's all good yeah yeah and i would never do that on a small board that's what it's like for me at my spot i was i was talking about this kind of currenty mm-hmm. like normally it's like you got to make that pump back out and 
because there's a lot of water moving now it's, it's just not as big of a deal it, right it almost feels a little bit more like surfing in that way where yeah. you can just take the leisurely paddle back out watch your boys crush on the way out you know it's yep. a, a little bit like a rewind back in that direction which is nice it was it was interesting so for two days at the end of the trip there we were in langosta and we had some swell it was like i don't know chest to head high probably but long period like a lot of water moving around and all I had was the Enigma and a new Proto. That's actually a pretty big foil uh, to ride. And it was interesting feeling it in more energy. It made takeoffs the easiest I've ever had in the pocket on a bigger wave. I mean, you're catching it kind of where you'd surf. You can almost like kind of draw down the line, take off to where it's not that critical. Um, the only downside is duck diving. Yeah. And I got rocked on a few duck dives just because you can't get it as deep. And so, like, you know, there were some guys out there that were on, you know, small prone boards and they were going right under stuff. So there's a disadvantage there, but then a, a, a huge advantage in, in takeoff. Yeah. So I've been, um, and I know we've, we've definitely talked about this too, but entertaining like a, you know, the same like link, like a five, six that's maybe more narrow for like more prone focus. Like right now, it's like, it's a epic board prone and you can also wing it. And I wouldn't want to go, like if I had to have that one board, I wouldn't want to go narrower than, than where we're at because it makes it doable on the wing. But I, I wonder if you, if you go narrower, can you, you know, can, like bump down the leaders a little bit, make it to where it's duck diveable, even faster on the paddle? I don't think you go narrower. I think you go thinner because I like, I'm using the whole board. Are you I that feel. offset now? Where like in using, moments, yeah. Depends on what foil I'm riding. I've been riding some big foils. Yeah, lately. that's true. Yeah. Um, but even still, like it's a comfortable, like pop up. I like the width. I'm not touching excessively. Yeah. Um, I mean, because well, I guess the one factor would be is if you do go a little bit thinner, functionally you're going to be making the board wider because you're going to lose some of that area of bank angle with a with a thinner board. If you stay at the 20. Just because the shape of the rail would change. Yeah, the yeah. shape of the rail. So you, you'd probably gain like a half inch. Yeah. Or something. Right. So yeah, maybe you go down to like a 19. Right. And I'm sure there, I, I'm sure there's guys out there that are... Play, I was actually on the way up. I was just like mind surfing a... Like a 8 foot by 16 wide or 15 wide board like prone. You know, just wondering what that would be like um, on downwind. And where the like where the margins are for how narrow you can go because it's been very very clear to me in our like sub prototyping that narrower is significantly faster but obviously less stable but once you're prone it's like you know the stability is a it, it almost doesn't doesn't come into play as much right yeah you know where it's going to crush and i cannot wait um it's foil drive Yes, it's gonna. That shape's gonna crush, or all the mid lengths are gonna crush we've, on foil drive. We've been selling a handful of these boards for foil drive guys. Well, we've got a buddy here, and I won't call him out, but he's got a foil drive now. And last night, I mean, I had a pretty good session. Probably got a total of ten, fifteen minutes of flight. It's really small on um, the session, and, and on foil drive, he was probably up for thirty minutes. And then he was only really coming down to just hang out with us every once in a while. I don't even and know who you're talking about. Now I'm, can you play the rhyming game? Rhymes with... <laughs> uh, rhymes with Pat. <laughs> hmm. 
you'll have oh it. oh oh i got it yeah. okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe i should call him i mean I Do- dr pat dr rhymes pat with, rhymes yeah. with dr pat <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome he would dive into that yep. like yeah he's the classic open-minded like let me try this this could be yep. fun yeah oh man that's cool i want to i man that's been interesting to watch the evolution there like at first it's like I don't know. I was kind of like, ah, the, you know, they got the big box on the board. It seemed a bit odd to me. And then, like, watching Paul Cooper lately, I'm like, oh, my God, what is what is this? Like, he's going off. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's just such a hack. I think, that, like, for us, we have so many marginal days. I just think it's going to be more fun on the marginal days. Like, right now, you look out back, and it's not really a downwinder, but there's probably but it, but some scenes. It could be. Yeah, there's probably <laughs> some seams. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't, I mean, it's really cold, but I probably wouldn't go send right now. But if I had a little assist to pop up, I'd probably be sending. Yeah. I wonder if um, on a day like today, if you could make a little bit of headway upwind. That, well, yeah. Did you watch Koo's thing? Like, I was talking to Koo about it the no, other day. I haven't day. seen that. He's been upwinding seven kilometers to downwind because it takes so long to drive in Sydney. Yeah. It's quicker. He just goes out. Dude, there you go. Seven kilometers, 20 minutes upwind, whips into one. Yeah. And he's off. Yeah, I'm curious about them. I think there's a huge place and benefit for those. I'm also concerned to some extent. Um, my personal concern is that, you know, I think about like my local spot. I, I foil in a spot where there are surfers, but I, I know I know like 90% of them, I keep my, my, keep my space. They trust me because I'm there all the time, right? So like, but what I don't want to happen is guys to show up in spots like that um, where foiling is accepted, provided you show that you're capable and you're not going to run somebody over, and then having guys like motoring right through the lineup. And like, whether we like it or not, like somebody's going to do that with these foil drives and it's going to piss somebody off. And then I, I just, I don't want it to negatively affect foiling's image. So, I mean, personally, I would encourage guys that are riding foil drive to, to keep that in mind that this could negatively affect the you know, our sports image, if you're ripping through with a motor through a lineup of surfers, like we're already kind of hated and to some, to some regards in certain places. So let's not make it any worse, you know? Completely agree. But But, I don't think there's going to be a reason to do that once you have it. I mean, there's not really a reason to foil in super crowded spots either, but people still do it. No, I think here, no. Yeah, here we don't. But like where we just were, because like you had to kind of share spots because there's only one chip, there's reef breaks, right. things like that. Um, I think California is one of those places where, you know, there's just not a lot of a lot of waves. But maybe with this, you can just go get offshore. And maybe it's not even something you use in the surf. Maybe it's just something that you take offshore and just play in bumps. Yeah. The downwind, the downwind aspects with the foil drive could be insane for sure. And I think about um, my shoals down in St. Augustine, which no one ever paddles out to because the current's ridiculous. It's an insanely long wave. It's not a great surf wave. It's a magical foil wave. I think about how fun this could be there. That would be all time. Yeah. Can we talk about what happened to a waterman down there recently? Because I I still don't have the whole story on it. I'm curious, but I mean, that that area to me, I think is the sketchiest area on the coast. It's the, our inlet here is a big inlet. But we have these jetties, and so you're never playing really in the inlet near the jetties. Um, you're generally on the beach side of those. We just use the you know take the ski through it. But the St. Augustine Inlet is an inlet that has a ton of water moving, and 
I, I, you know, we towed down there one day when I still had the rib boat and I was sketched the whole time. I was like, dude, it's there's a really, so much water yeah. moving around out here. That's a really intimidating inlet for any type of vessels. Like we go to sailboats all the time that get <clears throat> confused mm-hmm. on where the channel is. For one thing, the channel markers move around. Like you get a gnarly northeaster and then the channel markers are in the wrong spot. And that is not a good place to, you know, if you don't know that waterway and the channel markers are in the wrong spot and you're not able to read what the water is doing, it, it's a... It's a rough inlet. Um, so let's see. This has been three or four weeks ago now. Um, we have a a pretty actually a pretty strong OC one and and OC two and six paddle group um, of guys that just go out and they'll they'll take the inlet out and they'll play around in the shoals and kind of they'll work with the current to where they'll just do this basically elevator runs and you know it's it's cool. I've been out there with them. It's it's insanely fun. They all love it. They all keep an eye on each other. Um, but we had a guy that I think he was mid forties, not that old in incredibly good shape. He's actually a, he was like a CrossFit instructor or something. I mean, he's the dude's jacked, like a pretty, pretty well-known water savvy guy. And, um, he got bumped off of his OC. There was somebody else that was on an OC that watched it happen. And we don't really know like exactly what happened, but what we can say is that he got bumped off the OC and basically just disappeared. Like there was no sign of struggle to get back on the boat. Um, And then, you know, this guy of course goes and looks around for him and doesn't find him. So he realizes there's an emergency, comes in, you know, gets the, gets 911 on the phone. I happen to be on shift that day and um, I'm a boat operator. So we get on our 29 foot safe boat and we start these search patterns. We get the sheriff's office involved. Like they got, they launched a helicopter. We looked for this guy all day long. Immediately, we found the OC. That wasn't hard to find. Um, it was a little bit beat up. We're not sure if that happened during the bump off or after. Uh, we found his paddle. We found the AMA separated from the OC. And they were all within 100 or 200 yards of, of each other. But we just, we just never found him. And we searched till dark that day. And then, unfortunately, three days later, he turned up. Um, about three miles down the beach, a fisherman found him on the beach, and it oh. was super heavy, super sad. He's, um, I mean, he is a an ex Navy SEAL. I mean, this is a guy that, like, one of the last guys you would think something like this would happen to, and uh, it hit the community really hard. It hit me hard personally because these are the waters I play in all the yeah. time. A lot of the time, I'm solo, you know, on the wing in in the same the same inlet, playing on the same waves. Um, and I don't, to be honest, I don't keep any extra safety equipment on me. You know, I've, I've sort of thought through that a little bit and there, I might be making some changes. I've been looking into some other personal flotation devices that are less intrusive. Like I actually bought uh, one of those waist things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that I can double it as my waist leash, but in case I get separated from like my downwind board or something, I would have that backup. It's also like super vis- high vis. But yeah, really, um, that really hit the community kind of hard, like the, the water community, especially it's like, whoa, like what happened here? You know, like we don't, we don't know if it was some sort of medical emergency or if he fell out and got knocked out. I mean, I personally kind of think it had to be something like that, like knocked unconscious, the dude's super lean. Unfortunately, he probably sank like almost right away. You know, when you're that lean without any flotation on, there was no leash attached to the OC. So yeah, that was a tough one. And that inlet is just very, very unforgiving. We ran skis all through the surf zone of that inlet that day. Yeah, it was, that was rough. 
so it can it can happen um gabe kling and i were actually talking recently after that event um about wearing helmets again um he took a little bump on the head the other day um like right like just kind of in his hairline and he was like hmm like good thing that wasn't going faster you know yeah um, I wear one of the bump caps in my hat all the time. Um, for those of you guys that don't know what that is, you can get them for like five bucks on Amazon. I wear a hat all the time anyways because I've got like pre-cancer on the top of my head. So <laughs> so um, I figure I might as well put some element of protection in there. I like to think that maybe that could make the difference between being knocked out or not. And being knocked out or not could make the difference between life and death depending on your situation. So um, yeah, that was a little rant, but yeah, it's, that was humbling. For it and hit heavy for everybody for sure yeah i uh i've been thinking the same thing i've been looking at the viore vests i think they're viore I think that's what their, name, their brand is i haven't seen those um it's viore the one that, that makes the clothing no not viore there's another Vi- i do love viore clothing like, yeah i just yeah. I, they're making vests <laughs> they're stepping up their game um vicobi maybe it's it's it starts with a v and it's what most of like james and um I think all those guys are wearing them. Yeah. Um, they're like life jackets that are, are built to where you have like full range of arms and everything. Do they have one of the pull cords that inflate? That no, they're just or? like li- a life jacket. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then they've got like the, you know, your camelback type thing. and Oh, as part of it? Yeah, as part of it. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, I yeah, foil with phone it. holder. And when I do downwinders, I like bringing the camelback anyway. So mm-hmm. that wouldn't be, yeah, much different. So just finding something that's like not super intrusive, you know, right. like I don't want it to take away from my experience, but I've got a kid, I've got a wife, you know, yep. like I like it, sometimes it feels selfish if I don't take, you know, the extra precautions, especially like in the wake of an event like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think foiling is as dangerous as everyone thought it was five years ago. No, but there way. are still I, inherent had, risks. We've had plenty of time um, with foils in the water to show that it is nowhere near as dangerous as initially, even the foilers initially thought. Right. You know? I don't think, I think it would be, knock on wood, I think it would be hard to get knocked out on a prone setup. Yeah. I don't think there's enough weight necessarily to really do it unless you are in big surf and you just got really unlucky. Well, the, um, the, the thing we have going in our favor on prone setups is usually when you fall, like you're, you're going a, relatively the same speed as your gear, mm-hmm. you know? So like, like the, the scenario I think would be, would be bad is if somehow the board was able to pick up a lot of speed towards you. Backflips. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think we have a big risk in cuts and that's something that I've been looking into that I really want to do. And I've just, it's been really hard to get momentum on it, but if anyone out there wants to, um, partner or just do this or whatever, I think that Lycra's with integrated Kevlar in certain areas. So you can't bleed out are, um, a really good idea. And yeah. I've been waiting to put that out there because I, I was like, I, I wanted to figure out a way to do it personally, but I'd rather the community just have that. Um, so run with it or hit me up yeah. or whatever. But I think that, I mean, you saw what happened to the guy at hockey, right? A guy got a, um, a skate to the neck and bled out on the ice. Ugh. Yeah. And all I could think about was foiling. And hockey actually has protective gear like that. They have like a Kevlar you know undershirt that you know gives you neck protection and things like yeah. that it's really what 
neck, arms, and upper legs that you need to protect. Yeah, and it's even just parts of it. So like on your arm, I mean, your brachial artery runs on the inside. It doesn't run on the outside. So right. I, I like what you're thinking along the lines of like in the crucial spots. Like, just don't, just have something that protects yeah. you from dying. Right, I don't need it on the outside of my shoulder. Right. Like, there's nothing there that's gonna make you bleed out. But yeah, on the inside where your brachial artery runs or your radial or your the femoral artery on the inside of yep. the thigh, I mean, yeah, those could be areas that could be protected a little better than we have, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyways. Yeah. Well, that was a little less uplifting. Tangent, yeah, but I think but, it's good. But it's necessary. Yeah. It's necessary. And, and honestly, I'm curious what... And on the back of the foil drive conversation, too, which I think also you've yeah, got a spinning yeah. blade. Right, right. You know, like, like yeah. I'm sure that... I mean, that's the biggest risk. I'm, I'm going to be... foils I mean, I, yep. you know, my, my buddy in St. Augustine um, that I e-foil with occasionally, like, we take the prop guards off because they're just... It's just way better that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, and to be honest, I mean, typically when you fall, your finger comes right off the trigger. So you're, you know, knock on wood, like, you, you should be good, but there's always that chance. And, yeah, as gear evolves, like, with the foil drive stuff coming out and, yeah, us taking props off the e-foils because they just... They're so much more fun that way, like... <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does uh, bring a little bit more risk to the table that we need to be mindful of and find ways to mitigate the best to the best of our abilities. Yeah, but I'm curious what the rest of the community is is doing <clears throat> from a safety standpoint. If anybody else out there is taking, you know, extra precautions like like that the vest you're talking about, like the downwind guys seem mm-hmm. to have it. The the guys that are really sending long ones seem to be pretty savvy on how they protect themselves at least with communications and like the vest and stuff like that yeah yeah we need some downwind conditions man i have this board that i'm just like what a month and a half now i think i've gotten one run on it we haven't had a day well you know if we were froggy enough today we could go out unfortunately i don't have enough time it's like a three out of ten though today yeah but there's maybe it's it's on the radar though for the for the frothiest (laughs) I mean, we're they, sitting here looking at it right now I'm like the angle's wrong yeah. I don't know eh. it's 37 degrees outside yeah, that's, the, that's the real that's the real factor today that's slowing us down you just be tasting blood after about 15 minutes of yeah. maybe not even maybe 10 minutes in and your bronchioles frostbite yeah I hate that <laughs> actually it's pretty I think I might be good I might be over it now I think it's just like once or twice a year yeah I feel like you always get that that first day of real cold when you really crank your cardio you get that horrible like throat lung burn and then your body somehow adjusts to it it seems like i don't it's that's that's an interesting phenomenon but i've noticed that throughout my life it's like you get one one of those sessions and then like you're kind of good yeah i have to say like so you did this recently for your job and then i just did it as a prophylactic thing but um we both did stress tests recently right Mm -hmm. and um like, I feel like I'd always get a little bit nervous because I push yourself so hard in cardio. And I feel like downwinding is a weird one where if you're doing anything else, there are moments where you just be like, if you're just, you know, out for a run, you wouldn't push it that hard. You know, it's like, but downwinding, there's something about not wanting to come Dude. off foil. We get a lot of the meager runs here where you're trying to make your run and it's just, you're pumping for 20 or 30 minutes, basically. Yeah. And um, felt good to go in there and do it it was actually really funny when i did it because they're like oh you only have to hit i think it was like 155 and i was like can i go farther because i'm generally thinking like 180 when i'm doing this stuff they're like yeah yeah just go until you feel like it (laughs) so i 
I think we redline every session. Like there's no, yeah. I always tell people there's no motivator bigger for me than like the set out back. You know, even if it's after like linking four or five waves already, you, you pull off the fifth wave and you're like, oh, but look at that one. Like, how do you come off foil right then and just let that, I can't do it. It yeah. just like, I'll just redline myself and get there. Uh, yeah. So it, it is nice to get that kind of clean bill of health on the stress test wise but like you said i mean and, and they stopped me around 155 too i was like well that's a, that was a joke i went to 175 <laughs> they, oh, yeah, yeah. they let you yeah good i was like i want to keep going that's good um well, yeah, i, I, I actually it. felt really good dude because on the report they were like very good cardio for his age <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's part of me that wishes i would have pushed it longer but it, it being a work physical if something if something popped up when i was at 180 they'd be like uh, I don't know, you know, oh, how does that, yeah. how does that work? Like, do, does he need to go on light duty and get some crazy cardio appointment and wear a monitor? For, I get that. You know, so yeah, it's maybe on my own time. I do that 175 push yeah. or something. And they were like, no beer, no nicotine ahead of time. And I was like, well, shouldn't I just like put myself in the worst possible situation? Yeah. Like drink a 12 pack the night before. Yeah. And I don't drink a lot, but just like, I feel like devil shim on the Zen. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should be trying to test like optimally bad conditions to yeah. see if there's anything weird. Right. They didn't think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think every foiler listening to this knows though the the push. You know, it's it's so hard to resist the red line. And and I mean, I, I think it's good. I mean, if you're if you're in decent cardio health, then we I think it's it's healthy to push. To yeah. Push hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I feel better. And actually, the reason I did it is because I think I had COVID early, mid, mid-November maybe. And I didn't get that sick. I was down for a couple days, just tired for a little bit. But the sessions afterwards, I just didn't feel good in the water. I felt like I was getting winded really quickly and I just didn't, I felt lethargic and it kind of it scared me a little bit. And we actually just had a friend um, 44 years old, um, die suddenly, just randomly. And I think that scared me. It happened in the same time frame that I just wasn't feeling right. And so, um, I made the appointment it took like three weeks to get the appointment. I felt better by the time I went to get the appointment, the whole thing. But, um, there is a peace of mind in just knowing, especially with everything that's going on with COVID stuff right now, whether you think it's COVID, whether you think it's the vax, who, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not a bad thing with how how hard we push ourselves, you know. Yeah. Sitting on the sideline, I got to say it's kind of funny to hear you say, "Yeah, I just got over this really bad sickness and then I just didn't feel like 100%." It's like, "Well, yeah, you were just you were just sick and then you go out and redline and of course you're not going to be back." Well, our doctor right buddy away. told me the same thing too. Yeah, because <laughs> He's like, that's, well, dude, you don't need to do that. <laughs> like, it just shows that you ex- you expect like like elite performance level out of yourself all the time, regardless of how recently you've been sick. But it was like three weeks later and I still wasn't. Yeah. That stuff takes a while to, to fully get out of your system. Yeah. But I think, I think it just freaked me out that yeah, someone, you know, we know, um, anyways, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah. Anyways, I'm happy I did it because I hate that stuff about yeah. as much as I like flying. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got about 10 minutes left. What do you want to touch on? Where do you want to take this? Oh, let's see. We hit the mid-links. We need to bring people back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go on a more positive note. Um, 
Man, I don't know. Winging has been super fun. Yeah. I've been I have been really leaning into the the wing more lately when it's when it's been windy. We've found places and options and there is something really addictively beautiful to being able to surf foil like foil surf with a wing in your hand and then pull off of a wave, re-engage the power of the wing and like go do it again. It's like the free refill, you know, like <laughs> I want to go to Chicama and, and wing that place. That's what I really want to do. That would be so like, fun. Like that would be, I'm trying to remember which, was it Mizo? Who was down there recently? There was somebody online I've seen and man, that winging is evolving so, so rapidly. And it's just like the gear, the way the gear is changing and, and just the knowledge around it. Man, that's been super fun. And the spot that we get to do that free refill thing on is amazing for that. Yeah. It's such an easy one um, when it's on. Yeah. Wave after wave free refills. It's just, yep. it's so, so rad. It'd be better if it was a right, but yeah, yeah well, it depends on if you're Eric <laughs> or if you're Mike. <laughs> I love that it's a left. I love that. I like surfing. I like foiling backside so much more than I like surfing backside for some reason. Yeah. I would say the same. Foiling backside is really I fun. really like a toe-side roundhouse on foil where you can look at the back at the pocket. Yeah. That feels so good to lean in. Yep. Yeah. The one wave in Costa Rica for me is so perfect for that. The Oh, yeah. I know which wave you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I have some really fun clips from that. Yeah, the real reefy one. Yep, the one that I destroyed <laughs> a foil on. Oh my god! I hope you post that video at some point. I will. And it was like the best proto. We were testing so much gear. Actually, it's always the best one because I did the same thing when I was. Yeah. Yeah. We oh, we man. tested so much. I rode more setups in a week than I have over you know probably the last year, which was just amazing to get you know all of the different feels and get them back to back in the you know pretty similar conditions and. Um, we finally found like the one that we wanted to ride for the rest of the trip. We decided that I think in the morning session and then in that afternoon, I put it square into a reef at about 20 miles an hour, <laughs> just took off like <laughs> a lot of carbon. Oh man. That's a tricky spot. There's, uh, that's like literally one of my favorite waves I've ever foiled, but yep. there's, there's some consequence of that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was actually a really cool, that uh, Andrew and I, I think, were the first people to ever surf that wave. Yeah. And we did it on SUPS because it was so far out in the bay. It was like, yeah. so it's a reef that break that's like offshore. And um, so we paddled over there on SUPS and he didn't really SUP. I did. And he went to paddle into one wave, <clears throat> ate it, took the board to the head, split his head, um, and I stitched him up, which nice. was really funny. Nice. We'd just done a first aid wilderness class. And so I was like, I got you, buddy. <laughs> That's great. There's a lot of water moving there too, because there's a really deep channel nearby and it just kind of pushes <coughs> pushes water like over the reef. There's a surfing it's sketchy because it pulls you right into, into the, the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of a no fall zone, which is pretty much right where Eric blasted the reef. Yep. <laughs> but I thought I was like so there's there's these two big boils, two big like dry rocks essentially. And I was kind of like threading them because that's the best setup is yeah, when you go yeah. right between them and then your bottom Push turning. Push right in the pocket for the, yep. Yeah. And uh, I thought that I was on one rock. I thought I was on the outside, actually. I thought I was going wide of both. And then the second one just 
didn't even like boil until I hit it. Yeah. Uh, whiplash, broken foil. Yep, that one will get you. Got yep. me too. Yeah. It's interesting foiling around boils. It like really changes kind of like how aggressive you can be. Yeah, I, I think it adds a, uh, it kind of adds a playful element to it if you embrace it. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to go straight down and do a bottom turn. Oh, but there's a boil there. Actually, I'm going to fade yeah. <laughs> back towards the curl around this boil and then like start my bottom turn like on the back side of this circular boil. So yeah, it can create some like, it'll force you into some new lines that I think are really fun if you embrace it. Yeah. But then when you get surprised with those boils, yeah, it just gets real real weird real quick especially depending on the wing you're on yeah that was going, but. interesting on which wings were super affected by them and which wings were not which oils were not um that was one of the big the big takeaways what were you feeling was the most affected uh the higher aspect stuff bigger bigger foils yeah yeah that was kind of what i felt as well yeah and and like what angle like if you were loaded as you went through it or if you were just flying through it yeah true made a big difference as well right. you could go straight through a boil and you know do your bottom turn after it um but if you were like starting a bottom turn and then, in mid boil yeah. yeah that's uh that was sketch yeah yeah well right on dude this was good yeah good catch up um yeah Hopefully we get some warm. Actually, next week looks really warm. Hopefully we'll have waves for it. Probably not. We hit 80, I think, <laughs> like in about a week and a half. That'll be great. That'll be a nice, a nice change. The world of water will still be like mid-50s, but I'm going to grab those new booties, get rid of the ghost toe. Yeah, Mike, I'm forced to do a podcast, but really he was just coming up here to steal a bunch of gear. Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to leave in a good spot today. I got a few things I'm going to snag yeah. while I'm up here. This is the... Yeah, the what uh, once an, once a monthly come up and snag snag a sloppy seconds on gear and <laughs> <laughs> becoming a, a regular thing. Um, yeah, I got a I got a lot of stuff in the garage right now. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, brother. Yeah, appreciate man. it. Always good. Cheers, foil community. Love everybody. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.